right, we are back on our special Christmas Day program here on Radio Parallax. We've got numerous items that we've been accumulating, and let's just blow through a bunch of these, shall we? Have you heard about this GOP effort to put Ronald Reagan on the dime in place of Franklin Delano Roosevelt? Well, apparently uh, various uh, conservative members of the Republican Party got angered at the fact there was this mini-series that dared to criticize the Gipper, and in response, they decided, well, we'll show them. Let's just take that liberal FDR off the diamond and put on the Gipper. A poll in Congress shows that 82% opposed the proposal with only 16% in favor of it. I think this is a really dumb idea, but um, I think I'll do a, a little talk later on uh, on coins. Not, not today's show, about how miserable American coinage is and how good it could be, but we'll save that one. I uh, had a chance uh, a couple weeks ago to travel down to San Francisco, specifically to the Performing Arts Library and Museum, which is in the Veterans Building on Van Ness, where they were holding an exhibit of the work of Al Hirschfeld. Um, Now, if the name doesn't ring a bell, I'm certain that you know of Hirschfeld's work. This guy was just the legendary caricaturist. I mean, every great Hollywood star, person on the stage and screen, was captured over a 75-year career by Al Hirschfeld, and he just had an uncanny knack for capturing the essence of a performer in his drawing. So I, I really was glad I had a chance to go down and see some of the originals in San Francisco. Um, it was it was it was the work of a master. Hirschfeld passed away in January of um, of this year at age 99. Certainly, it had one heck of a run. It's kind of amazing to contemplate that in 1921, at the age of 18, Hirschfeld got his start creating the poster art for the classic silent film, The Cabinet of Dr. Cagliari. He then went to Moscow and evidently drew for Sergei Eisenstein, he who produced the famous Battleship Potemkin and other classics. Uh, I believe that uh, Hirschfeld did the work for that. Later on, he met and befriended Charlie Chaplin, dined with the Marx Brothers, uh, regarding, by the way, Harpo as the visionary of the uh, the Marx family. Uh, again, he knew just about everybody, George S. Kaufman. S.J. Perelman, which, of course, and, uh, if you're a Marx Brothers fan, you know these guys as the people who put the words into the mouths of, uh, of those zany performers. To those of you who really aren't familiar with this work, I'd recommend taking some time going on the web and seeing what you can find. It's stuff really is remarkable. One classic Hirschfeld that I saw was off of an LP cover for the uh, soundtrack to My Fair Lady. Uh, Hirschfeld drew George Bernard Shaw, the author of Pygmalion, the uh, the original um, story from which My Fair Lady was made into a musical, working the strings of the Rex Harrison, Professor Henry Higgins character, who is himself working the strings of the uh, Julie Andrews Eliza Doolittle character. It's just it's it's just classic Hirschfeld and just sort of a masterpiece in its own way of uh, of art. Uh, people didn't necessarily universally liked the way he caricatured them. Uh, apparently the story goes in an article I saw on the web uh, from Peter Marks in the Washington Post. Alan Funt, the creator of Candid Camera, objected to his image in a mosaic of television stars that Hirschfeld was commissioned to do years ago for CBS. Uh, the artist agreed to redo the portrait, but somehow the wrong drawing wound up in the New York papers. Funt, Hirschfeld recalled later, complained that he'd been made to look like an ape. The artist's rejoinder was, I had nothing to do with that. That was God's work. 
Uh, after I attended that uh, that Hirschfeld exhibit, I walked up um, Van Ness in San Francisco into a bookstore and saw in the magazine rack Mental Floss, which I had to buy. Uh, this magazine had a special issue devoted to great hoaxes of history, and uh, we, we've we've done some of these on our uh, on our previous programs. We talked, for example, about the uh, the the death of Bigfoot. Ray Wallace passing away last year, the man who apparently was behind the Bigfoot hoax. We told you about uh, the famous Orson Welles um, Halloween broadcast of the War of the Worlds program, which is sort of uh, one of the great classics of, uh, of hoax history. But there's one I've been meaning to tell you about that I hadn't got to, and I guess this is the time, that was cited in the magazine, uh, one of the A-plus great hoaxes of history, perpetrated in 1959. It was the Society for Indecency to Naked Animals. This group, CINA, uh, campaigned, in, starting in 59, to increase public morality by urging people to put clothes on the millions of naked animals throughout the world. The president of CINA was G. Clifford Prout, who soon became a regular on talk shows, campaigning with slogans such as, A nude horse is a rude horse. <laughs> And although many people accused Prout of being a maniac, hardly anyone accused him of being a comedian named Buck Henry, which is exactly who he was. Buck Henry, of course, is uh, better known to you from appearances on Saturday Night Live. He was the author of the screenplay of the classic movie The Graduate. And he also teamed with Mel Brooks to produce TV's wonderful comedy program Get Smart. Anyway, Henry was apparently talked into doing this by Alan Abel, who is, I think, uh, the master prankster behind all of this. We're going to talk to you about Alan Abel in a uh, in a future program because this guy is a piece of work. He uh, he passed away last year, and then it turned out that it was a prank by Alan Abel. He floated his own fake obituary. <laughs> Anyway, we'll return to the story of the Society for Indecency to Naked Animals and Mr. Alan Ale on a future program, perhaps around April Fool's Day. And I'm really looking forward to doing that one. But there is one, there are several in here that I I'd heard nothing about in the way of classic hoaxes. And there's one here from uh, the year 2000, I think, worthy of mentioning. Apparently, uh, hackers from MIT... Uh, put up a website titled www.bonsaikitten.com where, according to the website, you could create your very own bonsai kitten. Simply place a newborn cat in a steel jar, feed it through a tube, and as the kitten grows, its bones will conform to the shape of the container enclosing it. The result is an animal complement to the bonsai plants, kind of an art form. <laughs> the site debuted and immediately inspired a wave of protest, which apparently continues to the present day. The Humane Society was the first to denounce it, and after thousands of complaints from furious animal lovers, the FBI got involved and launched an official investigation. What they found was that the site was actually the work of these group of hackers from MIT uh, who claimed that they merely intended to satirize the human belief of nature as a commodity. It should be noted that no kittens were harmed in the making of this hoax. And before we leave this topic of hoaxes uh, on this uh, Christmas Day, let me um, let me cite another one. Another classic, which I, I saw this. I actually saw this documentary when I was about 9 or 10 years old 
in the 1960s when it was replayed on the Jack Parr program. And Jack Parr, I think he's, he's 85 now. He's kind of on our dream list of people I would love to interview for this program. And, uh, well, we'll see. But what Parr was so tickled by, which he aired for the national audience, was the following. In 1957, the BBC News aired a story about the bumper spaghetti crop that Swiss farmers were enjoying thanks to the elimination of the dreaded spaghetti weevil. Video footage showed ecstatic peasants picking spaghetti straight from the tree limbs. I remember they were using rakes to reach out and pull this boiled spaghetti off the trees. Afterwards, apparently hundreds of viewers called up the BBC studios wanting to know how to grow their own spaghetti trees. To these queries, the BBC diplomatically replied, place a sprig of spaghetti in a tin of tomato sauce and hope for the best. (laughs) Evidently, the curious callers hadn't noticed the date of the broadcast, which was April 1st, 1957. The Swiss spaghetti harvest is now widely considered to be one of the great April Fool's Day pranks in history. And I think this is kind of a perfect segue for a current prank that's out there, which I might draw your attention to. If you go on the popular search engine Google and type in simply the phrase, miserable failure, Google will then bring up the biography of George W. Bush on the official White House website. This is apparently one of the more prominent search engine manipulations uh, that's been done with political overtones. Now, the phrase miserable failure appears nowhere in Bush's bio, but computer users rigged the search engine results by posting a phrase on web pages and linking it to the Bush bio in a technique called Google bombing. I tried this a few days ago, and indeed, on Google, Miserable Failure does bring you up on the George Bush official White House website. I don't know whether they've uh, Google has gone out to fix this, whether the same people are protesting who didn't like the idea of the miniseries done against uh, Ronald Reagan, but I think it's only a matter of time before it goes away, so, um, so check it out. Oh, and my sound engineer has just indicated to me that he checked today. And that indeed, if you dial up, um, if you type in miserable failure, you will be rewarded with George Bush's bio. And here's a science story we may want to mention that um, might have some impact on you in a holiday season where we're all overeating. Fasting lengthens your life. A study by the National Institute of Aging found that mice that were fed only every other day lived longer than mice who ate regularly. In fact, fasting has the same health benefits as the ultra-low-calorie diets we've talked about in this program previously. These findings suggest that it's not necessarily eating fewer calories that leads to longevity, but the fasting process itself. Going without food imposes a mild stress on cells, said researcher Mark Matson. It's sort of analogous to physical effects of exercise on muscle cells. Take note, a little fast uh, might not only take off some of those pounds you gained uh, during this holiday season, but uh, might help you live longer. But counterbalancing that news a bit is the following. Living in the suburbs makes you fat. The Center for Disease Control studied this and decided that it's not that suburbanites are lazy, but that there's nowhere for them to walk. There are often no sidewalks, schools are miles away, and Enormous highways separate homes and stores. The problem is that suburbs were developed on the assumption that every trip would be made in a car. So unless these areas become more foot-friendly, their residents will keep getting heavier. 
How about a little holiday music as we go out here? The immortal Louis Armstrong. Uh, for your listening pleasure, this is Radio Parallax. I'm your host, Douglas Everett. You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. Is that you, Santa Claus? I'm preparing for some Christmas sharing, but I pause because hang in my stocking, I can hear knocking. Is that you, Santa Claus? Sure is dark out, ain't the slightest spark out on my clacking jaw. Who's there? Who is it? Uh, stopping for a visit? Is that you, Santa Claus? Are you bringing a prison for me? Something pleasantly pleasant for me. Then it's just what I've been waiting for. Would you mind slipping it under the door? Old winds are howling. How could that be growling? My legs feel like stars. Yeah, my, my, oh me, my. Kindly will you reply? Is that you, Santa Claus? Is that you, Santa Claus? I said, who's there? Who is it? Uh, uh, you stop for a visit? Is that you, Santa Claus? Oh, that Santa, you gave me a scare. Now stop teasing, cause I know you're there. Can't explain why I'm shaking that way. Better I can see old Santa in the keyhole. I'll get to the car. One peek and I'll try there. Oh, there's an eye there.